heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. I would like to welcome everybody back to the Powder and String Studio in downtown Wellington, Kansas. I'm your host, Kip Etter, for the Powder and String Podcast. I've got Jim Mesh with me today, and uh, I had the privilege of going up and uh, meeting Jim here, oh, what, about a month ago probably, Jim, that that you had that? Yeah, September 23rd. September 23rd, we went up to uh, the... uh, Kansas City area and shot at uh, was it Powder Valley or Powder, uh, Powder Creek? I'm seeing. Sorry, I got that mixed yep. up with another one of our vendors, but um, with uh, Powder Creek at a, a, a sporting clays event, and it was a very very well run event. And I've got Jim on here with me, and uh, we're going to get into that and talk about hunting and all kinds of different stuff here. But Jim, you uh, for our listeners out there, you want to tell them a little bit about yourself and what you got going on and. We'll, we'll see where this thing leads us. All right. Yeah. Like I said, my name is Jim Mesh. I am I uh, grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. I live just north of Kansas City in Liberty. Uh, have seven siblings and just grew up in a uh, outdoor family since I was old enough to, you know, dang their walk. Uh, my dad had us out there rabbit hunting and duck hunting and this, that, and the other, you know, fishing, just camping, anything. And uh, it just manifested into just the love of the outdoors. And uh, I have an older brother who uh, picked up bow hunting and archery. And then he got me involved, actually bought me my first bow when I was so 14 or 15, something like that. And then yeah. the addiction for archery soon followed. So, Yep. I'm an avid archery hunter, uh, married for 37 years, four daughters, three great grandsons, you know, grandsons that are good kids. When I'm actually sleeping, you <laughs> might wake up in the middle of the show. So, yeah, I can relate yeah, I to that. Love I love the outdoors. I got, I just left from the house, uh, doing a little babysitting of my own for my grandson. And it's, it's the coolest thing in the world. Uh, there's nothing better. Yeah, for sure. I think we met a couple of them there at the uh, at the the event. Yep. 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 Pretty yep. cool. One of them, that's one of them's in here sleeping right now. <laughs> nice, nice. So, um, let's for our listeners out there, let's tell them a little bit about your your uh, charity event and and because I mean that thing was well ran. You, you had a bunch of people, and we you know powder and strings. We go and we do a bunch with um, different organizations um, throughout the state, you know, be it NWTF or uh, Ducks Unlimited or um, Pheasants and Quail, you, you name it, uh, Friends of the NRA, we do that. Um, we, we, we do a lot with them, handle a lot of transfers, gun transfers, Whitetails Unlimited. Um, you guys had a great, great event, huge turnout. Um, it was very, very uh, cool to see. Um, but, Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about the event because it's definitely something that, I mean, we traveled several hours to get there and uh, it was well worth it. Yeah. Well, uh, appreciate you guys coming out. Glad you had fun. And uh, what it is, it's uh, like I said before, I have uh, seven siblings. And unfortunately, my uh, oldest brother 
uh, passed away a few years ago. And then my younger brother, John, uh, was a Kansas City firefighter. And he was killed in the line of duty on October 12, 2015, in what turned out to be an arson fire. So when he passed away, um, the guy that drove the pumper that John worked on approached me and said, hey, we have to do something to keep John's legacy alive. Uh, they actually pulled three people out of this building before before it collapsed on on John and another firefighter and, you know, killed both of them. But uh, he approached me and said, hey, we need to do something. So we started the John B. Mesh Memorial Scholarship, which is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to getting kids into the outdoors, uh, college scholarships for those interested in pursuing a career in you know, conservation or biologist or just anything outdoor related. Yeah. And uh, like you said, the Sporting Clay Shoot is our, our big fundraiser. We do it every Late late September, early October every year at Powder Creek. Yeah, and if you've never been to Powder Creek, man, it's an awesome facility. Um, I had never been, and I can tell you that. Um, well, actually, I don't think anybody on our team had been, and we all walked away there from there saying that that was something that we would definitely be coming back to, and and you know had a great time at it. Um, it was it was a blast, and um, you guys had it set up twenty five different stations, uh, sporting clays, and. Mm-hmm. Um, each station, uh, teams had five, five guys to a team. And so each station, each guy got to shoot, uh, four shells, you know, two different, two different, uh, clays coming in at you or going away. Or, you know, for those that haven't shot sporting clays, it's, it's not like trap or skeet where it's just pull and it's going away. These things are coming from all different angles, different directions. They even have them rolling on the ground. Um, it's, it's supposed to kind of emulate you know, the best you can with, with a hunting, um, uh, hunting scenario, but man, I know some of them, they were, I mean, just right next to impossible to try to double up on, on, you know, the two, just the way that they had them set up, but it just, it just added to the, to the event and fun. And you went around the entire course and it was, it was just, yeah, I I think we, well, we had that one where we missed, we missed one out of the whole, our whole team missed one pigeon the whole, out of the whole course. So yeah, it, it, there was, there was one station where I don't think we hit the whole team didn't hit either bird, um, or either clay, um, the way they had it coming in, it was, it was just a different direction and it, and it changed direction because it's a saucer and just about the time you were tracking it, it was going kind of a different way. And I didn't even know that it, I didn't even know that it was possible for a, uh, you know, a clay pigeon to do that, but so it was a ton of fun. Curveball pigeon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw a couple knuckleballs and I threw, and I saw a couple of sliders. Yeah, for sure. It was, but it was a blast. It was so much fun, um, to, to do that. And, and how many, do you know how many, uh, off the top of your head, how many, um, shooters you had at the event? Yeah, we had, uh, I think we ended up with 48 teams, uh, and five. So almost just right 200, at, I think. Yeah. And just right around 200, yeah. between 200 and 250. Yeah. Yeah. 190, something like that. Yeah. And then yeah, just it, like the weather sort of held us back. You know, yeah. We yeah. We had that delay. Yeah. Man, it rained like. Have, oh, it was horrible sleet and everything. We normally have. 55 ish teams. So there was, you know, we, numbers were down a little bit, but, uh, you know, everybody, the shooting part of it, everybody waited and 
shot, but you know, after it's over, we do the dinner and, and the, mm-hmm. the auction and all that stuff. And I think you guys had to get back. Yeah, so we had to get back because of, of the delay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, there a was, lot of uh, people were like that. There was a big wedding up here in Kansas City. And believe it or not, you know, we're just, a, for lack of a better term, a mom and pop type charity. It's just, you know, friends right. and word of mouth for locals. So this wedding, you know, if one person's invited, almost everybody that's yeah. out there knows about it. So everybody had to go to that and this, that, and that. So, yeah, yeah like I said, it was a good turnout. Yeah, it was, I was, you know, like I said, for being, because we, we also help a couple of other um, events or charities similar to yours. Um, and the way you guys had yours ran and everything like that, it was, it was definitely, you could tell that you guys had, it wasn't your first one and you, you had it put together and, and it was something that I would definitely um, recommend to anybody that's in the air. If you want to look into it, if you're, you know, into anything you know, sporting clays or anything like that. Even if you're not, if you, if you like to shoot at all and you're in the area, even remotely, I definitely would recommend looking into it. Um, and obviously it's for a great event. Um, you guys gave away a scholarship last year at the, uh, Pope and young banquet. Yeah, we, uh, uh, Dylan, uh, from Pope and young, uh, he helps us out and he put us in contact with a, uh, young man from Wyoming and, uh, we had a, you know, we take a scholarship, uh, you know, resumes per se, you know, throughout the year. And this kid applied and sent us his, you know, all his credentials or, you know, whatnot. And he was ended up being from Torrington, Wyoming. And he's going to the uh, University of Wyoming to become a uh, U.S. Fish and Game uh, agent. And we uh, was able to present him $25,000 check at Open Young's National Convention uh, this past year out in Reno. Yeah. And I mean, if you, you know, to say that again, you know, there's a $25,000 scholarship for a, you know, a, a one-off, if you will, uh, family and friend ran organization. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big um, scholarship. And um, that, that's honestly, that's the reason why, you know, again, the, the, the connection that we have is with Dylan Um and, um, when he kind of, you know, had talked about that, you know, that was one of the reasons why we were like, yeah, we're going to, we want to go up and shoot in that. We want to, you know, be part of it and, um, donated that gun and, and, uh, we wanted to, yeah, we wanted to be a part of it because, um, you know, some of these organizations, they're all good. And we've talked about it many times here on the podcast is that y- you need to be a part of as many of them as you can or go support. You know, if there, if you've got a, a charity event like that in in the in, you know in your neighborhood, in your community, somewhere, even if it's you know you know a Rocky Mountain Elk or, or if it's a you know Ducks Unlimited and you don't waterfowl hunt, we urge everybody to go do that because at the end of the day we're all in this together. You know, and and if we don't stand together, our rights um, under you know the Second Amendment are just you know we're just they're they're coming in on us at every different direction we can, oh, yeah. and so. Um, so some of those national, national, um, events, they, you know, a lot of the money or some, not, not as much of the money stays local or, or, or is it as transparent as to where it goes? Um, I know there's obviously right. checks and bounds and I'm not in any way pointing fingers at, at anybody at all because they're all good events and they're all good organizations. But, um, for, a, for a small one, like you're, you know, with your guys, boy, you sure have a big punch with regards to what you know, you guys put back out with what you're, you know, with what you're doing. Do you have other events other than the the shoot throughout the year? 
Yeah, we actually do a, uh, a motorcycle ride. I had a, uh, a couple guys, you know, over the years. Look, this was our eighth year. Uh, this past shoot was our eighth year. And uh, I've had guys, oh, probably for the first four years after my brother passed, like, hey, let's do a bike ride. Let's do a bike ride. I'm like, my brother didn't ride. You know, we didn't do a golf tournament because he didn't golf. We didn't do a poker tournament because he didn't, you know, so sporting clays was. But these guys like, oh, we can do it. We can do it. And I just never would commit. So then I had a fireman that they are in a uh, motorcycle club that is for veterans, uh, active duty military, and then all first responders. So to be a part of this motorcycle club, you got to be, you know, like I said, a first responder or a vet or something. And a, a lot of them work with my brother in the fire department that had joined this club. They're like, hey, let's do this. We got so many people. I said, okay, we'll do it. So we've actually had three bike rides now. We do a bike ride uh, early spring, you know, uh, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, and that's one of the things that. Yeah, I just and I have this conversation quite often. um, You know, for for so long in in business and in this type of you know because even though charity it's 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 a nonprofit but it's still you know you're still somewhat of a business um it can be you know lumped into that it there's always been this philosophy right wrong or indifferent that you're protective of what you do and you need to be you know you know very directed at what you do and anymore the more that i get into it even like with this you know social media and 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 the podcast and all that the more you can work with the more you can collaborate with another organization and sometimes it's the same they're in the exact same they're you know like it could be even a competitor of yours um Mm -hmm. the more that you can connect and the more that you can get out there the better and we have you know there's there's positives and negatives with all this social media um that is one of the positives is 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 the, um, the amount of audience that you can get to um, and that is even more important in this, again, back coming back to, you know, the second amendment and hunters is that we're so, um, handicapped on that social media platform on, on all the social media platforms. Um, so the only growth that we have on any of our pages, um, is 100% organic. So it's not like, you know, you have a reel or something that pops up when you're, you know, flipping through your TikToks or your shorts on, on Instagram and, you know, something from, uh, somebody that you haven't liked a page that you haven't liked, if they're, if they're in any way associated with guns or ammo or knives or any of those bad things, you know, um, that doesn't just, or, you know, grow, it has to be done organically. And so, right. um, yeah, getting, getting your name out. I mean, obviously you guys are doing it and you're successful for sure. That's one thing I found out about, you know, I don't want to say all <laughs> kind of people, but outdoor uh, people who, you know, like to hunt and fish or the outdoors, they're just, you know, like me and you, the first mm-hmm. time, you know, we met, we could sit there and talk about, you know, one of your successful hunts or one of my successful hunt and just chit chat about it all day. You're just yeah. happy for the next guy or you want to help the next guy. Yes. You know, I'm on a, uh, I do a managed hunt and, uh, you know, you see a guy that, shoots a deer and you're like, hey, it's it's for firefighters. And you're like, you know, see a guy shot a deer and you just stop and, hey, you need help dragging it out. Just everybody's like, there's a bond with mm-hmm. people that are, you know, involved with outdoors. That just a good bunch of people. Yeah. And, you know, I can speak for, you know, for our organization, Pattern Strings. I mean, we do, I couldn't even tell you how many, um, 
uh, raffles we we help facilitate for raising um, you know funds for kids uh, sporting events. As a matter of fact, right before I walked on walked into the here to do this podcast, I was we had a guy um, coming in. That, um, he was from uh, somewhere up around Wichita, which is I mean. Uh, from the south side of Wichita to Wellington is about 20, 25 minutes. Um, but this guy was, um, he said it was about 45 minutes for him to get here. Um, so, you know, here's a, a kid's organization. Um, and I don't know um, how they get our name or why, but I mean, it seems like, I mean, I would say we're probably getting close to a hundred guns a year that we help um, with regards to raising funds for various um you know, kids events, I've, I've always just kind of said with, with all my businesses is if it has to do with kids, then I'm not going to say no, I'll help in some capacity as, and as much as we possibly can, cause that's what it's all about. But that's even more so with, with this industry, because, um, you know, you got to get them started and get them out there. And, and there's so many things that are working against, um, having kids in the outdoors and seeing truly having experience like what you've talked about, you know, with your brother and, and it just, I mean, you, 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 we've talked about it in depth on here. You can remember back all of those hunting first deer, you know, oh, first yeah. pheasant, first mallard, first Canadian, first Turkey, you know, first bass. I mean, I can remember all those and most yeah. of them, I can remember my seventh and eighth and 10th and 15th and all of that stuff, you know, just hunts. It's just, Absolutely. it's just, it, you eat it, breathe it, sleep it. And it's just fully, <laughs> fully, you know, engaged with it and, and engulfed with it. So, um, I've yeah. also, we, we kind of talked a little bit before this, you, you might have something in the works for the Kansas city area along those lines with archery. Yes. When, uh, my, when we first started this charity, like I said, the guy that, that ran the pumper, you know, asked me, Hey, we you know, you need to do something. And besides help, my brother has four daughters and they all hunt and fish and, and they look awesome. at them, you know, they don't look like out. I mean, they're just like, for lack of a better word, girly girl. You wouldn't yeah. think that these girls are, I mean, every one of them shot deer, turkey, blah, blah, blah. You know, my brother had them out in the, the outdoors since they could, you know, like me, since we were little bitty. So uh, we knew that we wanted to do something that involved the getting youth in the outdoors. But my ultimate goal, too, was to get an archery range open a public archery range uh, up here in the Kansas area in John's name. So I've been in contact with the uh, parks and the uh, Corps of Engineers and uh, Missouri uh, Conservation Heritage Foundation. And hopefully, knock on wood, we're getting pretty close to, uh, we already got the land uh, where we're going to do it at. We're just trying to figure out all the details now of how we can get this thing start building it and and open up a public archery range in John's name. That's awesome. I mean, that's just absolutely outstanding. And uh, I'm sure you've already um, talked with Dylan about it. And I don't, right. I don't doubt that he said that, you know, he's excited for it and would help you in any way he can with his resources. But I'll tell you, we, you know, even though we're, you know, pushing three hours away, um, I, I would do the same. Um, it's just, that's just a great yeah, thing. It. Yeah, we'll do whatever we can to help with something like that. Yeah, I know there's a uh, there's a guy that I met at the Hope and Young convention a couple of years back. That he does the uh, oh, what's it called, Dylan? The uh, Mountain Archery Fest or something like that. Total art or uh, total archery. No, no, no. 
Mountain yeah. Archery Fest. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, we was talking about, he wanted to do one in the Kansas City area. And it was just nowhere that they could really hold it. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping when this deal gets built, that would be something that, you know, we could bring a, another big group of archers and, and that's awesome. here and having a, you know, have a weekend, you know, this archery fest, so to speak, at this uh, range. So that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to getting it opened up and getting Man, to shoot that, at it. That's exciting. That's awesome. And, and, and you know, what as, as, you, as you said, you know, before we got started here, just, you know, what a way to you know, further your, your brother's name and, and, you know, let it, let it not be forgotten. Um, you know, the, the first responders and, and the military out there, um, we're so lucky and blessed to have individuals like him that are willing to, you know, give it, a, give it all and sacrifice everything for, you know, our safety. Um, and, you know, when everybody's running one direction, they're going the other and, you know, it's just, yeah. we, we, you know, again, speaking for powder and strings, that's just something that we're also uh, as ad, as as adamant about supporting, you know, first responders and military um, as children. I mean, that's just that's those two things are just that's what it's all about for sure. And uh, yeah, that's that's me, too. I uh, I had a buddy that uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Marine veteran. And, uh, thank you for your service. I did not know that. You're welcome. And uh, he was. uh asking me to go bear hunting with him. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to go. He goes, come on up. I said, man, I really, at this time, I can't afford it. It was up to Maine. And uh, I said, I can't afford it. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, you just come up and, you know, you're a vet. And I let vets hunt free. I'm like, I, I, no. I says, I'm, I can have the money. I, I said, I'm not, you know, I suggested at this time, I was, do, I had a couple other hunts going on and stuff yeah. that I'd been doing. So I was just, for that year sort of you know spent my budget on hunting trips for that year and he says well i'll tell you what he goes i'm having these five wounded warriors up here for this deal and a couple of them's never hunted you know this and that if you come up and help me guide then you know let them get on their bears you hunt after that and i said yeah so i went up there and and i didn't think that just like with the kids, you know, seeing the smiles on the kids' faces, I don't know, is something that I never thought would just like fill my yeah. heart, so to speak. It was the same way with these vets, you know, seeing these guys out there, and, you know, shooting bears, guys, just a grown man, just ecstatic about, you know, killing the bears. Like, hey, that's, that's what it's yeah. all about. Yeah, know? and that's um, for for those that you know that that haven't had that experience. You know, it's so common for me to have. Um, people come in the shop, you know, and, and, you know, they may be shooters, but they're not hunters. Um, or, you know, maybe they're just getting into it and, and they have that question of like, why do you, you know, how is it when you harvest an animal? And I even tell my wife, um, you know, she's, she's gone hunting with me, but she's never been, um, you know, when I've harvested anything, especially a big animal. And I, you know, I tell her, I'm like, I'm a grown man and I'm not afraid to say that, you know, when I, every time that I shoot a deer, I, I mean, it, it's an emotional, I have tears in my eyes. I don't take it lightly. And I don't, you know, most, oh, yeah. the vast majority of hunters are that way. I mean, almost, I, I can't tell you of anybody Absolutely. I've ever talked to that's not that way. We're just, you know, we're, we, we're, we're out there doing something we love. We're providing food for our families. Um, it's a, it's an outlet for us, but 
in the same sense, we're also, we could just be getting, you know, on our way to go hunt deer hunting and you're driving down the road and you see one that, you know, gets hit by a car and, you know, you have to dispatch it or something like that. I mean, or if you see one that's, you know, that's hurt, we're the first ones to stop and help it, you know, try to, you know, recover because we're we're not just out there for the, you know, the harvest. We're out there for the experience. And and it's not, it's not killing it. I mean, I would venture to say some of my best hunts, I never even picked up my bow. Yeah. But yeah. This stuff, I mean, you know, stuff you see in the wilderness when you're out there is just yeah. amazing. This stuff that you'll see here. So, yeah, people go, oh, you're just out there, you know, murdering. And I said, you know what? For every deer I shoot, I probably pass up 250. Yeah. I says, but if people, you know, if people didn't hunt, for one, the, the, the licenses and all the permits Absolutely. and all that is, is what, the hunter support the word what is keeping the habitat and the, the numbers in check. Yeah. So we're helping the deer population or turkey population, you know, plus monetarily the hunters are, they give more money than anybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We just, um, a matter of fact, yesterday morning in the shop, we had a, one of our local game wardens come in and, um, great friend get along, um, well. And of course we have to, you know, you know, slide him a little bit of rise and he, he, he does it back to us as well. But, um, we were just talking about just, you know, just that and, you know, and then also issues, you know, like with our, with our turkeys and, and, you know, why is the turkey population down? And, you know, there's, there's all that. And, you know, it comes back back to full circle to the, you know, the monies that, that, that is raised. If it wasn't for all of these organizations, um, be it the national ones or even ones like yours, um, as well as, you know, the, the money that's raised off of the taxes that are put on to, you know, ammo and guns and, and, you know, uh, hunting licenses and things like that. The, 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 the wildlife that we do have in the United States would be a di- completely different picture. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just unbelievable. Uh, I can't, I couldn't even fathom what it would be like at all. Um, but yeah, it's, that's what it's all about is, is the experience of having it. Um, now speaking yep. of experience, um, our, our, our mutual friend, good friend, Dylan, he said that, um, you might have a couple of hunts that you got coming up, something about going overseas and one hunt wasn't enough. So you thought you needed two or I don't oh, know. Is he, is... I knew. That up. <laughs> Once again, at the, at the, I have a buddy that's a, uh, <laughs> uh, sort of high up the food chain on the Safari Club International here in Kansas City, the mm-hmm. Kansas City chapter. And he invited me to go to ask him. Mm-hmm. So I've never been. And right. if you'd have told me 25 years ago, hey, you're going to go to ask him, huh? I was like, eh, that doesn't even sound appealing. I'm just, you know, I can relate. stick with deer and turkeys and blah, blah. But now as I get older, I actually realize, hey, I do have a bucket list of stuff I want to do. I can relate so to that totally. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, yeah, I want to go. So I had this, me and my wife want to go. And then we was going to go to like Victoria Falls for a couple of days after we're done with the hunt and blah, blah, blah. So there'll be something in it for her too. Plus she's gets to go to Africa. She's never been. So it's a place she right. you know, gets to see. So we had that booked up and I'm at Open Young with Dylan and a couple other guys. And I may have been. I had a couple trips up to the bar. <laughs> so we come back stand at the table and uh, I had met a couple guys that 
that had a booth set up and they were outfitters for Africa and they were donating to hunt. Mm-hmm. So I really wasn't paying attention. Like I said, I, you know, far from intoxicated, but I've you know, had, had a couple and loosened right. up a little bit and I really wasn't thinking, you know, so they start bidding this hunt off. And I thought it was these guys that I met. I'm like, man, them guys are really nice guys. I'm going to bid this thing up so they can make some money. So they, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So I, yeah, I bid on it. And I'm talking to was Dylan or whoever I was talking to. You know, there's like three or four were sitting there. And they sat in the other and they do it again. I, yeah. And one guy bids. I bid again. So my wife, she's like, what do you want another hunt? I said, no. I said, I'm just and, you know, trying to run the price up for these guys. And she goes, oh, okay. So I'm still talking, not paying attention. And uh, she goes, you're getting ready to win this this safari. I said, no way. She goes, yeah. So I, about that time, I looked up in the air and said, congratulations, Jim. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So now, as it sits now, we got a 20-day African Two African safaris. We're going to be in Africa for 20 days next year. <laughs> you're you're going to be a resident. Uh, you said you're going to be a resident over there. 20 days. Yeah, that's no a kidding. long time. Yeah, yeah. It, I've had a buddy that's gone over several times, and I can totally relate to what you're saying. I I can vividly remember multiple times saying, "Yeah, I don't I don't really have any desire to go over there and shoot that." I just you know. I don't know what happened, why it's changed, but all of a sudden here in the last, you know, three, four, five years, I'm, you know, my interest has continued to, to peak and I look at oh, it yeah. more and I look into it and I'm like, I, that's something. And I mean, it's definitely something that I want to, yeah, I definitely would like to go do at some point, sometime if I can, if I can make all, make all the stars align, if you will. So, um, well, that, Dylan, I imagine, tag along. You can go with, I got that four person hunt next year. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So what part of the Africa are you going? All I know so is we fly into Johannesburg and it's like a four hour ride from there. It's mm-hmm. in Mimpopo or something like that. I haven't really right. I'm like a last minute detail guy. Right. I'm, oh, I can believe that too. Let my wife take the lead on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I can book all the flights and all that stuff, but the right. outfitter usually takes care of us. So great. So if you had to name a hunt that you are, or, or, or a type of hunting, what is your, do you have a favorite? I would say my favorite is whitetail hunting. But Archery. I'm assuming. What I, oh yeah. that's all I do. I haven't picked mm-hmm. up. A, uh, and that's what people, when we first started doing the shoot, people were, like I said earlier, you know, it's been eight years and I've never shot a, a, a pigeon out there. I've never picked up a gun. And for one, I'm, you know, busy trying to let stuff, you know, help stuff run smooth. For two, it's just not my cup of tea. I'm a mm-hmm. bow hunter. You know, I, I, just, I shot two bears this year with my bow. Last year, I shot a mountain lion. It's just, I I love to bow hunt. You know, gun yeah. hunting is just not a, you know, not my cup of tea. So, yeah, yeah. So whitetail archery hunting is my favorite. Uh, I love the turkey hunt. Spring turkey hunt with the bow is, yeah. is unreal. I'm, I'm in the, uh, using the, uh, oh, what are they called? The, uh, big, uh, Magnus, the bullheads. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, transfer, transfer the headshots now. Mm-hmm. They got to the point where he's trying to make it a little more difficult. And yeah, just chop their heads off and <laughs> yeah, right there is they don't move. Right, it's a lot easier tracking when they just drop right in the tracks. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. That I, I would say I'm the same way. Um, I've only shot one deer ever with a rifle, and that was because uh, one of the landowners that I was hunting on at the time. Um, he said, well, I'll let you bow hunt here in the fall, but you know, I get nuisance tags, um, cause he had so many deer on his property. Um, Ooh. so you have to, you have to come back up in the, you know, in the summer, <laughs> spring, summer, whenever they handed those out, um, and you know, harvest another one. And so, uh, that one there, um, kind of a funny story. I don't know if I've ever shared it on here, but, um, it was, it had to have been, you know, mid to late spring, early summer, because the grass was starting to get high. And we were walking along this hill. We were actually kind of heading back to a to a field that we were going to kind of overlook on this hill. And my buddy, you know, he kind of gets my, my attention and, you know, hey, look, look down there. And uh, I was in the middle of him and, and he was just a few, you know, yards to my right. Another guy was on the other side of this creek um, that was to my left. And there was a doe that was asleep in this Creek and she was, you know, her head was bobbing and going back down. And, and, uh, we got within, by the time we got stopped and stuff, I'm going to say we were probably about maybe 30 yards from her. And, uh, we sit there and looked at her and there was no wind, no, I mean, it was just a perfect, you know, quiet day. And boy, she just, I mean, she was out, you know, she'd wake up every couple, you know, 30 seconds and lift her head up, but her eyes were still closed. And I was real young at the time. I was, you know, late early 20s late teens and i was like i wonder if i could get down there with a knife and yeah and uh so i get down in and uh this creek and then the adrenaline started pumping because the creek wasn't it was just you know kind of a dry creek bed so it was sandy so i could walk and it was really quiet and so i got within about 10 feet of her and by then i was kind of starting to second guess myself but both my buddies were watching and uh so I set the bow, I set my, uh, my, I had a 30 out six. So I set it up against the, you know, the, the, this little tree branch that was in the Creek. And I was like trying to get my, you know, my, uh, you know, er, er, nerves up to go, you know, finish what I thought I had started. And I got about a foot and a half from her and I started to lean down and she woke up. I mean, and just, you know, just obviously it was, she took off running and it could have turned out really bad, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she ended up getting up and running and then I went over and got my gun and was able to, to get a shot off on her and cause she stayed in the Creek bed. And, uh, but that was my one deer that I ever shot, um, with a, with a gun. And, and, uh, I, you know, you look back now and you're like, man, that was not very smart. Well, <laughs> yeah, I remember, uh, when I was in high school, me and a couple my, my older brother, Mark, who was a year older than me, uh, he actually just moved it. Uh, was up and moved to Montana a couple weeks ago. Put his house on the market, sold in one day, packed up his stuff, and moved that Friday. He's up in Libby, Montana, right now. Oh. <laughs> but but uh, he, uh, me and him used to coon hunt with a, another guy that we went to school with. And we was coon hunting, you know, obviously at night, had the wheat lights, you know, with the big spotlight mm-hmm. on it, and this, that, and the other. We was walking through the timber, following these dogs, 
in my the other kid uh, walked through, I don't know how many it was, but deer that were bedded down sleeping at night. And they jumped up, and I mean, they stepped, cut his face open, cut his oh, arm wow. open. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's... Ran him over. Like, Man, was, it, was it a buck? He goes, no, they were does. Yeah. They just ran him over, cut him open. Yeah, and they couldn't so, yeah. see, probably couldn't see yeah, because but, of the lights and... Yeah. 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 I, like I said, it was, you know, when you're that age, you just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignorance and arrogance and all, you know, my buddies were there and, you know, when we walked up on it, it was so close and, you know, you, it was, you could have shot it with an art, you know, with a bow. And, uh, I was like, well, I think I can, you know, we we hadn't even started our hunt. So I was like, I think I can get down there and get it with a knife. Yeah. That was, that was not a very good idea. But. Yeah, we uh, we went pig hunting, and uh, another guy that worked with my brother, uh, he's a Marine, now he's a fireman, and we went to Oklahoma on a, on a hog hunt, and he stabbed one with a knife. Asleep, yeah. He walked, walked up and stabbed it. Like, you lost your mind. Yeah, and that's a and different deal was, there. Yeah, he's, you know, at the time he was in his 20s, you know, I'm like, man, ain't no way. I'm too old for that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't heal up like I used to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he snuck up on it, and I was like, me and my brother just sitting there looking at each other like, this guy's insane. But we did it. Yeah. How many different um, species of animals have you harvested with your bow? What all What all have you hunted? Uh Wild hogs, uh, mountain lion, bear, uh, I don't know how many white tails and turkeys, and just uh, um, coyotes, bobcat. Uh, been mule deer hunting? No, I've never been. I, I want to do it. I got a buddy that, again, that I met at Pope and Young. I'll tell you what, Pope and Young is the place to go for some outdoor connections. Uh, he owns uh, Ward's Outfitters out in Arizona, and he gets on some monster mule deers. Mm-hmm. And uh, or mule deer, I should say. And uh, his name's Stephen Ward. And uh, I want to go out and mule deer hunt with him at some point. I've not gone. I've not gotten drawn out west yet, but um, I've gone out to western Kansas, and uh, I've got a buddy that lives out there who's got some ground, and. Uh, I like it. It's fun. Spot it, and stalk. Yes. And yes, I'd love to do that. I would tell you, so for me, I went with my son in law, Blake, and we went out and for me it was completely different. And even from what you watch on television. And I would say, and I'm not in any way trying to take away from anybody, but we both walked away with a even greater appreciation for the archery hunters. And I had, I'm not going to say I had less appreciation because it was, it was just that we did, we, we were ignorant to the hunt and how it worked. Um, but from the rifle standpoint, um, at least where we were at, if we would have had a rifle, we both could have shot a, if they weren't 200 inch deer, they would have been, one of them was way over, one of them was the biggest deer I've ever seen on hoof in my life. It was, when I say it was 230 plus, it was an absolute giant. Um, but the other one was, was 200 as well. They were definitely two different deer. Um, but we had on that 200 inch deer, we had, 
we were there for four days and we, um, well, three and a half, we hunted for three and a half days. The last day we left at noon. And so we had, I guess, really, uh, we had two and a half days, um, to hunt. Um, so we hunted for two full days, got there one afternoon. I think we put, well, actually we did, we put a stock on him that, that, that deer, uh, that first day, my buddy had seen him and sent us pictures and said, Hey, I, you know, when you get out here, I'll kind of tell you, he didn't, he, he hunts, but not much. Um, he said, I think I can get you on this deer. It's been hanging around here. And sure enough, that afternoon we drove, he, you know, driving around getting us, you know, lined out, telling us where everything was at. And we weren't 30 minutes in, into, you know, getting lined out and we're driving through this pasture and there's that, you know, he's a, he was just, he was a 200 inch deer with this doe bedded up. And, and, uh, so he, you know, toodles oh, on. Yeah. His can be simple. Yeah. 200 inch deer is the first, the first two deer we saw was a buck and a doe and one of them was a 200 inch deer. Yeah. But it helped because my buddy knew the ground and had fed cattle and he knew where they were going, but it, and they were used to the truck. So, um, so we, you know, continued on and, uh, he gave us a little bit better lay for the land and, you know, said, Hey, just leave him there. And, you know, an hour later, he'll be, if you just leave him alone, he'll be there in another hour, most likely. And if he isn't, he'll be close, you know? And so sure enough, we went and got busted that time. We got within, you know, probably a hundred yards or so, maybe a little bit less or a little bit more. I'm sorry. And again, you know, we were, we, Blake and I were talking like, man, if we had a muzzleloader, you know, we could have just smoked him. Um, but you know, and then out there you've got wind, um, you know, and then you've got, um, you know, lots of different elevation and then you've got, um, the, everything's dry, you know? So I think he told me, my buddy told me that their average rainfall is like 12 inches or 16 inches or something like that. And, you know, he's in, you know, Northwest Kansas. And, uh, so everything's dry. So everything, you know, makes noise and, uh, perfect stalking conditions. Oh yeah. Just absolutely perfect. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, the second, second, uh, second day, no, actually I think it was that night. Yeah. That night. No, it was the second day. I think it was, I can't remember anyway, but, but, uh, second day Blake is one heck of a shot with a bow. I mean, he's one, he was state of Kansas indoor archery champ one year and he goes to, you know, shoots. He went to one here recently at Fort Riley and won it. And pretty much any of them that he goes and enters, he, he usually does real well wins or, or places pretty high but uh so we had made the agreement when we go out there you're going to get the first shot any and, and anything that's a three by three or bigger because we've never been we're going to shoot we don't care how big it is three by three we're shooting and you you get the first shot and uh here comes it was rut so here comes you know a, and actually it was a really nice either a four would have been a four by four or a five by five i can't remember but he broke off straight off on one side and, uh, so that was the dominant deer, if you will, that was running these does. And then this other, uh, three by three was right behind them. And so we saw them and got set up and man, they didn't care. You know, they were in the rut, so they didn't care. And he, he made a real nice shot. I think it was like 70 yard shot on them and, uh, just dropped them dead. And, uh, wow. yeah, the first day we got there before we went out there, all the, all the landowners, you know, we went to the. So it was right around lunch. We went to the coffee shop or whatever, and our buddy was with us. And he's like, I'll introduce you to a couple of these farmers. And, you know, I've talked to him about about you coming out, you know. And they said, you guys are going to be out here hunting with bows? And they kind of chuckled and said, good luck. You can go anywhere you want. If it's here with a bow, we don't, yeah, good luck. And he said, yeah, it's real hard with a bow. So we didn't expect anything. And 
here we are the first the first i think it was that maybe it was the first day he, that blake had shot that that deer and we had one hanging the first night and we thought man this is easy yeah so we ended up putting a stock yeah, on that on that 200 inch deer twice um two more times and one time we got within probably about 40 yards and all we had to cross was <clears throat> you know those those they're, obviously they're smart so they almost always set up with the wind to their back and their eyes you know overlooking a valley and you know they're you know they're so you they're going to see you coming or they're going to smell you coming and and we had we we spotted him with a doe again and it was perfect and it was i mean it got cold this was a morning and it got cold 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 i'm gonna say it was in the you know teens wind blowing and it just so the way it light, light out there was a wheat field uh, that had been planted so it's green wheat and we had some snow so um and it was it wasn't crunching or anything like that so we had great you know ability to stock well, heck we got right up to him we were within like i said 40 yards of this dude but there was maybe about maybe 10 or 15 feet um, between the wheat field and this barbed wire fence. And then there was, a, they were sitting in a pasture and the pasture was not real thick, um, but they were kind of sitting in a little bit of a yucca thicket um, just kind of for, you know, some windbreak and, and camo, but we had to get through that, that 10 foot of basically it was tumbleweeds that had blown up against the fence. And so it's just straight tumbleweeds. And then we had to figure out how to get through them. And we took 45 minutes and we were about three feet away from getting to the fence where we could get a shot off and popped up and hopped off about 65 yards, turned around and looked at us. And we just said, again, like if we had a, you know, if we had a rifle, done deal. So yeah. Yeah, it was there's, fun. There's been, there's been times where I've hunted and couldn't get a shot just like that, you know. And people are like, oh man, if you had gun, you could have shot it. I said, you know what? I'm just as happy with my bow not getting a shot as I would have been if I was shot him with a rifle at you know 100 yards or whatnot. Yeah, but I'd sort of rather go home empty-handed than to shoot one with a gun. And nothing against gun hunters. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. For me, and for me, it's just not doesn't tickle do my you, fancy. Do you have the experience when you talk to guys that are that have just gun hunted and when you're talking about getting, you know, a setup for archery, you know, specifically whitetail, when they see how close you got to get and how, you know, kind of in their kitchen, so to say, they just, I find that the gun hunters are just like mesmerized by that. They're like, not that they don't know. I mean, they're, they're good woodsmen. They're, they're knowledgeable, all of that. And obviously they have to, yeah, they have to understand and know that, you know, 40 yards or 50 yards is 50 yards, you know, but, but when you see where, you know, I find it sometimes when I, when I get a new piece of ground or something like that, and you'll talk to the, you know, the person that's giving you the permission or whatever, and, and they've, you know, they've gun hunted and they'll be like, well, right, here's where you need to set up, you know, such so as stand up right there and you'll be good to go. And they're, you know, usually they're there with you and you kind of start talking to them and you're like, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. I'm gonna have to be down in, you know, down in the trees yeah. or down in, you know, closer. A little bit closer to that yeah. Trail. And, you know, they're just like, oh man, yeah, it's, it's a different deal. And, and, and just like you, I mean, I don't know how many deer I have walk underneath me and uh, there's a lot of times I won't even grab my bow. I just think it's cool as heck just to, just to see them. I I find myself now, I try to record everything now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what me and my brother's always would film each other. One of us would have our bow and that would be 
filming. And uh, I find myself now, I reach for my camera before I reach for my bow on 99%, unless it's a deer that when you see him, like, oh, you know, that's mm-hmm. a definite shooter. Everything yeah. else I reach, I start filming for it, pick up my bow, just for good right. footage of it. Yep. And that's, yeah, that's the same thing with us now with, with obviously with, with the, you know, YouTube channel and social media and stuff like that in the shop, we're in the same exact boat for sure. Um, tell me about your, your lion hunt. I'm interested in that. Where'd, where'd you go? Went to Colorado, uh, Jitson was actually above Jitson, Colorado. I had a uh, guy that I met and ended up talking to him for a couple of years, uh, before I went and, uh, the, I booked a hunt with him, and uh, the the year I was supposed to go, they had the wildfires up there, mm-hmm. and I think he had, I want to say, four hundred thousand acres or something that Goodness he had gracious. access to, to hunt, and uh, then a couple uh, to the west of him, he had uh, two hundred and something thousand acres, so he had you know over half a million acres that we could hunt. And uh, so before I came up there, like a week before I was supposed to go up there, they had the wildfires. So he called me and he says, he says, uh, Jim, uh, I just went down there and he goes, I've been out there for, on heat and he rode his horse down there. He says, I've been out there on my horse, snowmobile, uh, Side, you know, side my everything because I've been out there for two weeks off and on, and I haven't seen one track of any. So I've seen one deer track. He goes, no lion tracks, no nothing. Uh, so long story short, we end up. He goes, you can still come up. I'm not saying that we're well, not going. This is that it's just conditions aren't great. And I said, you know what, man, I really appreciate you telling yeah. me that as opposed to just having me come up there and you know, wasting my time, so to speak. So we ended up pushing back another year. So I went up and then uh, we'd go up there and we'd get up like at oh, three o'clock in the morning and you get out on these side by side and you just um, ride up and down these mountains on these uh, two tracks, you know, just, you just ride through the timber and, you know, I mean, he just, you, there's no way that you could get a vehicle up there other than a side by side to just, you know, a lot of it, he, he would actually do it uh, on horseback, too. But when we were out there, it was freezing. It was like minus 16 degrees. Oh, and it man. Was, it, was, it was cold. Yeah, and then you're on a side-by-side oh. with the wind blowing. Yeah, so we're, you know, luckily his side-by-side was enclosed and we had the heat on. So, long story, like I said, you'd get up like 2 o'clock in the morning and just drive up and down all these mountains. And you're looking for a five-inch lion track in the snow. So it took us two and a half days, and we finally found one. Yeah. And uh, so we got on this lion, I think, at 9 o'clock in the morning on the third day. So we had been out looking for like seven hours. You know, and that's why I said, well, what happens if we find one and at 2.30 in the morning? Does we just build a campfire or sit in the side-by-side and just wait for it to get light? He goes, like, you know. Because I can't turn dogs out when it's dark. It's just too right. dangerous. So I said, okay. So we found the track at like 9 o'clock in the morning. We turned these dogs out. And this lion ran like 16 miles. Man. And uh, it was unreal. 
we got on this thing at nine o'clock in the morning. It treed, I want to say, one or two o'clock. And by the time we got down to it, I think I shot it at four o'clock. We That's crossed crazy. three mountain ranges chasing this thing. Wow. And so, is that on foot? Or are you in the side? No, side? Well, we, we ended up looping around the backside of this mountain and drove up. And we ended up having to walk down into this drainage. And uh, the, he was actually like 600 yards down the drainage. But the way it is so steep, 600 yards oh, turns yeah. into a mile and a half because you're zigzagging back and forth. Right. So we ended up shooting him. Um, first shot, I hit him and he dropped uh, probably 10 foot and got hung up on some more branches. And then uh, he was you know, out there growling and he ended up turning and he was facing me and uh, shot him again. And then he actually fell. And then he had, before I shot, we had to get all the dogs tied off and this, that, and the other because. You know, when they fall, they don't want the dogs to jump on, especially with, you know, broadhead sticking out. Right. So we get the dogs tied up. I shoot him, he falls. We get down there and, you know, take our pictures and this, that, and the other. And by the time we got, got him skinned out, it was dark. Mm-hmm. So the guy I was with, his name was Dylan as well. And uh, he goes, you think we should go back up? He goes, shit, steep it was, or you want to try to go down? And we'll just, when we get to the bottom, we'll have, Sales service, and he said, I'll call my wife and have her, you know, bring the horses up or whatever, and we'll go get side by side the next day. I swear to you, think. So we said, okay, we'll go down this mountain. And so, long story short, he hadn't been up there since the spring. And when all the snow had melted that previous spring, it washed all the roads away. Oh, dear. So we were literally sit on our butts. I'd hold my bow up, and we had this lion draped over you know, your shoulders. and just packing this thing out and the meat stuck in our jacket pockets and then the, in the pack and uh, you just lift your butt and lift your feet up and just slide down this mountain like 100, 200 yards straight down. You yeah, have man. to climb up there. I mean, literally on my hands and knees just climbing up this other side. So we did that till like 4 o'clock in the morning. And, man. And we ended up uh, didn't have no water because all the water was frozen. And we yeah. forgot the only thing that we forgot to bring was a jet boil. Yeah. So we couldn't, you know, so there was eat three snow. of us and one guy's like, well, let's just uh, eat some snow. I said, but don't you get cold. do that. I said, then your core temperature is going to drop right. real bad. I says. So long story short, we ended up being out there for 39 hours, just laid, laid in the snow. You know, one of the, the other guy was really cold. And, um, so we put him in with the dogs. He's like, these dogs stink. <laughs> so I was like, I saved your life, man. Yeah. So he laid in with the dogs and we built a fire and one guy would stay awake and just keep stoking the fire. And uh, we was out there for like 39 hours and uh, finally walked out. But uh, it was, uh, I ended up having that when I got there and Hypothermia. I thought I was going to lose four of my toes. Had frostbite. Dang. But uh, the guys, uh, he goes, "Was it worth it?" I said, "Heck yeah." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got a heck of a story, man. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. What year was that? How long ago was that? Yeah. Two years ago. It was this December. Will be two years. 
That's awesome. Yeah. 2021. So, so you had, uh, so basically you, you left, you you drove the side by side over to where the cat ended up treeing. And so the side by side was there and then you went down. So the side by side was still up on the mountain and you had to get down. Oh yeah. And the side by side, like I said, it was only like as a crow's fly, I think when the, you know, cause he's got, I don't know if you ever hunted with like the dogs, they got the Garmin and GPS things. Mm-hmm. And you'd literally see the dog standing on his hind legs on the tree. It's got a picture of eight little dogs standing on yeah. this tree and you, it's counting how many barks. It's telling you how many barks because if the dog's barking real fast, that means a tree or, you know, I don't remember all the ins and outs, but I mean, right. it's crazy what they could, but then it'll tell you exactly. And it was, I want to say 600 yards as a crow's fly, but it was like two and a half miles or whatever because it was so steep. You had to just keep going back on these switchbacks and dropping down. So it took us like an hour and a half to walk down 600 yards. It was so steep and the That's snow crazy. was two feet deep up there. So, yeah, so we decided, you know, yeah, we'll just leave the side by side on the top of the mountain and we'll go down and be a lot easier going down and we going up, you know, packing this thing out. Big mistake. Hindsight 2020. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh my god! But the reason for that was going up. There was nothing, no cover. I mean, it was just like snow and rocks and this, that, and other. And then down in the drainages, there was trees, and, and that's what we said. Well, worst case scenario, we'll hunker down in these trees because we, we was able to make a fire and and this. That. And like I said, the, the big mistake was not bringing a, a jet boil so we could melt snow, or you know, we had water mm-hmm. bottles. They were all frozen solid. You know, mm-hmm. we're up there trying to heat them up over the fire and the plastics just melt them. I'm like, yeah. this ain't working. So everybody yeah. was dehydrated and, you know, we didn't eat for, you know, whatever. But like for 39 hours out there, I had a breakfast burrito and a cup of coffee. <laughs> like two o'clock in the morning that first morning. And I think it was a Friday morning and we ended up getting back to the house like nine o'clock on Sunday morning. I bet you took a good nap. Oh my goodness! I took a long hot shower. Yeah, got something I got to eat. That shower and my feet were just black. I mean, it was unreal. Oh man, I mean, this can't be good. Do you find that your and feet feel, get cold more now? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially one of my toes, I had frostbite on. That I thought I was going to lose my big toe, and now it like if I sit in the stand. And I used to go out, you know, like I said, out there, negative, you know, 16 or whatever it was. And I was, I didn't have gloves on. I mean, there's pictures of me holding this line with no gloves, no hat. just. And uh, I yeah. wasn't cold. I just, but now, like 40 degrees, my foot starts hurting. I'm like, you got the kid. <laughs> yeah. I've had five knee surgeries and, and it took me a while to connect the dots. But I absolutely believe that that's why, because I, I can be fine everywhere else, but. My feet get cold so easy, and I think it's with. I had those knee surgeries, and I think when they, you know, went in and cut, they cut part of the, you know, for whatever. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm making something up. I don't know, but you're, you're, you're like me. That's what I believe too. Yeah, there's something in there that that they messed up the circulation or yeah, something. Crimped off in there. Yeah, I I could be completely wrong. There's probably listeners out there that are doctors going, "These guys, this guy's an idiot." Yeah, but two dummies. yeah, but I can tell you that if it's, you know, like, kind of like you, if it gets into the 30s, I got to be 
you know, I'm real big on having good boots and, and good socks. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I got everybody else that's like, oh, I'm just wearing a pair of tube socks and, you know, it's, you know, just my regular, you know, early season boots. And I'm like, nah, I got to have good boots and, uh, and socks. And I don't, like I said, I, that's the only thing I can attribute it to is, is that, that is that, but I don't know, uh, what it is, yeah, but that's me, what I'm attributing to. I think mine too now is starting to be old age. Yeah. You know, I'm getting older now. I think this your body breaks down and stuff like that. So, but it so, ain't going to stop us. So you're going on an Africa hunt. Yeah, exactly. I'm not stopping at all. Yeah. If uh, you're going on an Africa hunt, what, what, anything else? You got any other hunts coming up um, other than whitetail? Yeah. Before we do that, we're actually, me and my wife are going to do a, uh, fly-in uh, float plane fishing trip up in Canada. Cool. Where I go, uh, the guy I'm going with, had, he has access to nine lakes that he's the only person that is allowed to, you know, they're allotted for him. I guess like a just random person can somehow get a boat in there mm-hmm. and fish, but like any other outfitters or, you know, like that can't fish it. So he's got access to nine of these lakes. One of them is like 31 miles long. That's crazy. He said it's 400 miles from the closest building. And it's, it's, yeah, I think he said there's uh, three boats there and all the gas. And then they have a cabin that has electricity and, and, you know, a stove and all that. So you bring your own food. Mm -hmm. So me and my wife will be out there uh, by ourselves for 10 days. Yeah, that's got to be coming up pretty quick, isn't it? That's July 5th. Oh, July. So next yeah. summer. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, you're yeah. going to have to, if it's in Canada, you're going to have to be getting up there pretty quick. Quick if yeah, it's no, not. No, that's July 5th. And then yeah. we get back and then we go uh, to Africa in August. Oh, nice. Yeah. I believe there's, so. there's a group of guys that have gone up to Canada from, from a group of guys from here in, um, in the Wellington area that have been going up to the place in Canada for 30 some years, probably maybe even longer than that. But, they go you know, fly in and fish. And at one point in time, I think they could fly in and fish and then also get a bear tag as well. And I don't yeah, know if they can still, yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, know if they can still do that. There was a, there was a point in time in there where they weren't able to get the bear tag. I don't know if the numbers were down or what happened or what. Well, but. Every outfitter, like one of the outfitters I go to, he's only allotted three bear tags, mm-hmm. but you go in there and you can fish too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got all of his lakes and then that was that's in Ontario. And then when I went to Manitoba, the outfitter I was with up there had like forty tags. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's, um, you know, however I don't know how they do it, but just I don't know if it's their population or whatever it is. But yeah, you know, that's whatever they're allotted for. So I don't know if they can. Say, hey, you know what? Your bear population is decreasing, or whatever the case may be. So right. you're not going to be allowed these tags. Maybe I don't know. We've got a uh, a bear elk combo trip uh, scheduled for next next year in Idaho. So I'm looking forward no, to that. Be fun. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, I've never shot an elk. I had uh, my brother uh, has shot a couple of them, and. Uh, that's on the bucket list for sure, too. I haven't either. I lived in Arizona yeah. for several years. Really? And yeah, yeah. 
I haven't, I, and I haven't got a mule either. I've gone. Um, but if I don't, you know, with Kansas, you know, you only get one, uh, buck tag. So if I don't get a white tail, then usually sometime late November towards the end of the white tail rut, then we try to make a trip out West for three or four days to see if we can get, you know, a mule deer. And then if that's yeah. successful, then I don't get a white, I won't, I won't get fun. a white tail. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, that I, I li- when I lived in Arizona, I would go up into the mountains and, you know, but I never, I, could, I couldn't get drawn. Uh, and I started, then I didn't, didn't put into it for several years, but I last year and then I'll get in, I didn't get anything and I'll put in again this year, try and get some points going for, um, an elk, but, um, we're going to go up into Idaho and, uh, you know, been up in the mountains during the time, you know, I heard him bugle, done all that and everything just didn't have a tag and, and, uh, gone with guys. Um, but I'm super excited to, to go do that uh, for yeah. sure. I'm uh, looking yeah. forward to it. You want to do that? And then I want to probably go speed goat. Yeah. I'd love to shoot, shoot a pronghorn too. I uh, was supposed to do that this year here in Kansas because it's been over the counter, you know, with archery. And uh, I had three different guys. That were, yeah. Yeah. And I've got a connection to some ground out west. Um, my buddy that I spoke about with the mule deer, he's up north and there's not any pronghorns up there. Um, but I've got a connection just a little bit farther south and uh, they've got got them there. But uh, the guys I was supposed to go with. I had three different guys I was supposed to go with that I talked to and one of them had something come up. So I talked to the other one. Yeah, I can go. And then, you know, we're getting two weeks from it now. I, I can't go and talk to a third guy. Yeah, I can go. Yeah. And so just one of them just didn't end That's up working out. Man, but, if you can't go, just tell me no. I'm not right, mad. Right. You don't leave me in the lurch two weeks from, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was kind of bummed about that, but it, you know, wasn't a draw or anything like that. And it's Kansas. So, um, but you know, Kansas that the archery, uh, antelope is only, uh, starts on a f- uh, Saturday and ends the following Sunday. So it's two weekends right. long for archery. Wow. So it's, yeah, you didn't, but I guess it's during the rut and I've never done it, but yeah. So I'm, yeah, I got a good friend lives up in South Dakota that he's got mule deer and antelope and all that stuff. And I'm, they've been talking about it for a couple of years. Oh, you need to come up and this and that, but with that, like I said, with the charity and the grandkids and mm-hmm. just life and work and this, that, and the others, to find time to do it is almost impossible. But yeah, I'd love to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'm, I'm wanting to kind of, kind of like you, I'm wanting to kind of expand and I, I love the whitetail, but I'm wanting to kind of expand into a couple other species and test the water, yep. so to say. Especially, you know, yeah. as you've said, we're not getting any younger and, you know, if you're going to, especially if you're going to go up in them elevations, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that's what people tell me because I'm big on wanting to do a, uh, a either a, like a Kodiak brown bear or a moose or something. Mm-hmm. And I have that, man, I don't know if you can do it anymore. You know, they sort of just packing it out. So yeah. that is a, almost impossible, especially, you know, for me, I'm overweight and old and <laughs> Right. He said, you're going to go up there, man. You better lose some weight. I got a buddy that does it. He's been on here on the podcast, Greg Gilman. And, and well, actually, he was one of them that was at the, at the, the shoot. And, yeah. And, you know, he's he's in good shape. I mean, he's – and the whole time he's working out and, and 
you know, doing all the stuff that, you know, exercising and running and all that stuff is, it's for hunting, for going on those trips. You got to be in good shape. And I've heard him oh, yeah. before when he was, you know, when I was looking at this, this, uh, trip in Idaho, he said, you know, one of the things that he said, you want to make sure is you want to make sure that when you show up and for the first time you meet the guide, um, cause he's been doing it for so long. It was before, you know, even the internet, he's like, it's, it's never a good sign when you show up and you're in better shape than the guide is. <laughs> he said, he said, you better, the guide better be in better shape than you are and, and you better be in good shape. So, yeah. It, yeah. So. Uh, Reminds me of a story. I had a guy tell me that, uh, they used to go actually razorback hunting down in okay. Arkansas, I'm assuming. And he said they would put all these chaps and they would put like sheep's blood on these chaps. And I don't know if this is true or false story. They said he put this blood in his caps and they'd walk through this, you know, waist high grass and the razorbacks would smell that blood and then they would charge them and they'd shoot them while they charged them. I said, man, that's crazy. So he said, one year they went and uh, they pulled up to place and uh, the guy come out and they only had one leg. And they said, man, what happened to your leg? He said, the hog got it. <laughs> My buddy's like, I don't want him to be my guy. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's a little bit with two legs. That's a little bit too hands on for me. I like to yeah. keep all my hands and toes, fingers and toes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't want that guy. Hogs already got him. What are they gonna do to me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, Jim, I greatly appreciate you coming on here and uh, you know talking hunting and, and about me, the. Buddy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You know the the John V. Mesh. Hopefully, the people enjoy enjoy us rambling off. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And for uh, any of our listeners out there, um, again, John V. Mesh Memorial uh, Fund, um, it's a great cause. Um, and they, they put their money where their mouth is, so to say, and got a lot of good stuff going on. If you're in the Kansas City area, I definitely recommend you looking them up and getting in contact and and uh, and, and getting involved with it because it's, it's you know, like I said, they put their money where their mouth is. And uh if you guys have, uh, as listeners out there, if you've enjoyed, you know, listening to us sit here and ramble, uh, as we kind of talked about on here and all the other podcasts, uh, it means a lot to us. If you would subscribe, like, share, um, we're on Facebook, we're on, uh, Instagram and, uh, we're also on Twitter X, whatever it is. Um, so if you go out there and like our pages, it really helps us. We need all the, uh, likes and subscribes and, and, uh, all that that we can get. But until next time, uh, I'm your host, Kip Etter, and this has been the uh, Powder and String podcast. Thank you very much. 